Hey everybody, it's Josh from PrayMama.com. Today we are coming to you with our first live interview. I'm interviewing my mother. Uh, the story that we're going to be sharing today is about how she prayed for me to get saved and get back in church and get out of the bars. And we'll just start diving into this, but wanted to kind of give you a, a little preview of what's going to what's to come and and then we'll we'll unpack it so thanks for uh joining us today thanks for staying tuned i know a lot of you've been waiting for this uh, i know i've been sharing that i was gonna make this video and we keep putting it off but here it is uh without further delay i'd like to uh, introduce my mother her name's kim hines uh she lives up in ohio i'm down in north carolina uh but yeah she's got a story of her power her power prayers praying for power praying for deliverance and and breakthrough that lasted almost what seven years pretty close to that yeah as i know I, I started i'll share a little background of me and then i'll dive into her but i know a lot of my my crazy story started probably like high school uh senior year is when i just kind of started wandering around and just kind of trying to figure out where i fit in the world and everything and of course it, it led me down some some stray paths but yeah i'm not going to share too much i'm going to let her have the focus for this so we're going to break this out into, into a few different parts. Um, the first part of this interview is a who are you? So we'll be explaining just my mother's story and where she's coming from. Um, the next we'll be going into what was it like before she started praying for me? Just her thoughts and her, um, her feelings about just my life and her being my mother. And then the next part of the interview is called what was it like while waiting? So even while she was praying, I know sometimes you probably know firsthand is that you don't share a prayer and then it's instantaneous. Sometimes it takes hours, sometimes it takes days. In instance, for my mom, it took about seven years of her praying. I'm sorry, mom. But <laughs> yeah, we'll share a little bit about what was it like while waiting for the answer to your prayer. Um, the next part is uh, called, what was it like when your prayer got answered? So what was, what were you feeling? What were you thinking when you finally got the prayer, the, the answer to your prayer? And then we'll conclude this interview with a section called, what are you believing for next? Um, of course, this story happened about what, this is back, this story probably ended in 2012. I know personally for me, it was November, 2012. So it's been what? eight years since this has happened. So we're, we're reflecting, but I, I want to definitely share this story. Of course, me, me being the host of this channel, wanted to kind of give you an idea of what it was it about being radically transparent with my own life before I'm like, Hey, will you share a story about your kids or something that's happened in your life? So this is a eight year in the making. Um, it took seven years. So we'll go back to the very beginning. The first question I would like to ask you, mom, is um, how long have you been walking with Jesus and maybe share a story of like the earliest moment you can remember where you saw Jesus in your life? Well, probably um, I've been in church my whole entire life. Um, my mom was the basically the strong person. Um, in my life. Um, my dad was there um, fairly young. Um, but then when we moved probably about 23 miles from um, where I was raised from fourth grade on, um, it was prominently just my mom. Um, I'd probably say going in and out of church with my mom the whole entire time. I mean, we just, I just basically went um, it probably wasn't until maybe junior high school that um, I was at church camp with one of my friends um, that I, you know, personally for myself, uh, you know, asked God to come into my heart. Um, so I'm... <laughs> <laughs> what was what was that like? What 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 were some of the immediate changes that you saw from that point in junior high? For myself personally? Yes. Um just seeing, you know, how I looked at things differently. Um you know, being of a young age, you know, there were some of my friends that weren't believers, so it was kind of hard to know how to 
you know, do both. Um, and I struggled with that a lot, you know, because I had more friends that were not Christian based believers than myself. So I did gravitate, you know, to a lot of church people when, and kids when we were there, but they went to a Christian school and I went to a public school. So I struggled with that, you know, and only having my mom, you know, to show me those values, you know, I just kind of navigated them on my own. Okay. With my mom. That sounds good. Um, the next question is, is have you always been like an active prayer or were there a, was there a moment in your life where you just started becoming more consistent with it? Um, I always prayed, but now I pray differently, but I always prayed, but praying, you know, one way of just saying a prayer and not have it being focused on your life only that I now know that sometimes it's, you look at God's going to bless you in your own life. If you're praying for other people first, that's just me personally and how I word it. Um, I would say I've always prayed, but as an act of prayer, you know, I think it come, you know, when, um, my kids got older that I was not always, I was the person that wanted to be the fixer and that is not my job, but I thought I could fix that. And sometimes I didn't choose the, the power of prayer to fix the problem and leave it up to him to fix the problem. All right. Uh, so that's the the who are you section for everybody that's following along. Uh, the next section we're going to go into is what was it like before? So this is going to dive, start diving more into the where the, the story started of when my mother started praying for me. Um, like I said, it probably started late high school, as she uh, alluded, her kids getting older is when she really started focusing differently with her prayers. So the first question that I want to ask was, what was the what was the situation like before that led you to start praying for me? Like, what were some of the things that you were thinking, some of the things you were feeling when you were kind of looking at my life and, and questioning the things that I was doing? Um, for me, I think it was realizing that I had to give up my motherhood of knowing that, you know, the kids were going to go out on their own and they weren't going to always come to me for the answers, even though I wanted to be part of, of helping and navigating and telling them because of, you know, for my own personal, you know, things that I went through that could have been a little bit differently, but to give that up and realize I was not in control of fixing the problem anymore. My prayer shifted um, because I, I had to, I was not going to be seeing that, you know, anymore. And then when y'all go off to college, uh, I don't, I didn't have control of anything anymore because you no longer lived in my household. Um, so I had to pray and pray boldly, you know, for his intervention, for his wisdom to touch the life um, and to ask him to show you what he had in store for you um and then wait which was very difficult what was i know especially once i went to college started going down some crazy paths and i remember sometimes coming in 
for for those of you I'd share a little context um my mother works at the university in the cafeteria that i attended um and i know i when i joined college i joined a fraternity and that took me down a wild road of just craziness going out all the time and just kind of living this crazy carefree life where a lot of times I know my mother would always tell me uh, I would come into the cafeteria early the next week like on a Monday or Tuesday and she'd always somewhat joke but I could understand where she was how she was feeling in those moments where she was like yeah she's like so uh some of your fraternity brothers came up to me and they uh said hey Kim you you don't know what your son was doing last week what was it like with those moments did it just like like was that part of the situation where like you really started pressing into prayers when you were just like what is my son doing and i don't know what to do to to get him to think differently or do things differently what yeah. was that kind of like um i teetered on where i what boundaries that i could um go to because you know even though i knew but i didn't know how bad it was um i always pressed that you know doesn't matter what you're doing you know god knows it all and and um you know he can get your attention and but i was also afraid of pressing too much that that would push you further away from me and then i would not know other than secondhand from somebody else because i still wanted to be you know part of um in your life to let you know that hey i am here if you need me um you know um you know your dad and i both um but it had to be on your terms and and i had to trust that you know, God was going to take whatever happens, you know, he's in ultimately in control of everything anyways. We may not understand why things happen the way they do. Um, even if we did go and ask him, we probably still wouldn't understand why he, why he does what he does. But to know that that he is the constant, you know, that he was going to be there, you know, watching over you. And if, you know, if something happened, he was going to be there to help pick the pieces up. And for me to see what you could be, you know, while you were going down that path, it, it was very difficult, you know, at that time because it was like I've never been exposed to anything like that and to see like you know wasted talent I guess but God pre prevailed and he stepped in and you know and he uh um sorry and he uh you know made things better you know, and, and is there to, you know, be there for us anytime that, you know, we call on him. That's, you know, was awesome to see that happen. So at what point, um, I know you alluded to it a little bit earlier, but at what point was it that you decided to pray that you, um, I guess, gave your your desires and you wanting to fix everything at what point really did you make that decision to to give those that fix it desire and wanting to be a part of my life wanting to fix my life at what point did you decide that you really needed to to give that to jesus and kind of lay it at the cross i guess when you moved away um to where we weren't going to be able to see you anymore um that i had to rely on god a lot to say you know what i've got this um because you know we weren't able to see you know you in person um i mean we talked to you on the phone we would come down and see you but to be there you know every day and see you you know 
we had to trust him because, you know, during that time, you know, um, you could tell us whatever you wanted to tell us and we had to believe it, you know, and then we had our reservations at the same time. So I had to give that to God and say, you know what, you're right. I can't do this anymore. It's yours. And whatever happens, happens, even though I might not like what the outcome would be that, you know, that he is ultimately going to be the one that's going to have to fix this and give you a wake up call. And by uh, moving away, she means like when I moved down to North Carolina. So after I graduated college, um, I moved down to North Carolina and I'm living now in the Raleigh-Durham area. I've been here since 2010. Um, so that's what she means by moving away, that I was no longer right down the street. Even when I was in school, like there was still that time where we would cross paths because like I said, she worked in the cafeteria and then I still go home every once in a while. But definitely when I moved down to North Carolina, I know that was probably a lot of the, the times where things definitely got tough where it was like um, you wanting to come down here or me come up there and just being able to talk more and everything. So the next question that I wanted to ask that kind of preludes to this that'll kind of go a little maybe deeper is what was it that you actually prayed for when I moved down to North Carolina and you, you realized that you needed to, to kind of be a little more hands-off or not not so much hands-off but like allowing that control of you wanting to fix things what was it that you actually prayed for for me well first it was for praying for myself to you know giving that solely to him um which was very difficult um but I knew I had to, or because it mentally it was not healthy for myself anymore. Um, that God would not necessarily, um, it's hard to explain. Like I shifted the way I talked, but it was more or less for him to, um, you to open your eyes to him um for you to seek him um for him to guide you where you needed to go um and that you would be open whenever that time came that he was going to say okay josh hello um and that you recognized that and didn't continue to run um, cause you, you know, being, going to church when you were younger, you know, you knew those values were there. Um, so I wanted you to recognize that and that he would, you know, carefully align you. And when that time came to realize that it's when your time was there and that he was constantly watching over you so many times, you know, that he could have definitely, you know, had a different outcome, but he chose not to take that avenue and to, you know, bring you back into the fold where you ultimately, you know, were all the time. It's just, you lost the way. Um, and that, you know, that he would, that you would recognize that he's always there for you waiting, you know, that's what I tell everybody, you know, he's the one I'm always constant, you know, in your life. So, but I just prayed for him to intervene when he saw fit because sometimes praying on our timetable isn't always his timetable. So that actually goes right into the next section of what was it like while waiting? So the next question in this section is, what was the most difficult part while waiting for your prayer to be answered? 
um, that was very, very difficult because the calls that, you know, of, of hearing, you know, something else happening down there, um, every time I turned around and then me and my husband would just pray and say, you know what, I, it, it, he's not there yet, but, you know, we continue to pray. Um, my mom, you know, she was a faithful, um, always there, you know, praying for my kids. I mean, I think that's how I learned how to pray differently was through her. Cause she told me, you know, it's gotta be this way. Cause it's a different kind of prayer. So yeah, that was very difficult waiting, thinking, okay, um, is this ever gonna happen? Um, you know, I believe that it's on God's timetable and he may never allow it to happen, but you've got to pray earnestly to him and, and allow him to do those works and, you know, and, and to see if it was something he wants to answer that prayer for. So to constantly pray for something, you never give up hope because, um, it, it, it's there, you know, and you just pray that God blesses that to happen. So while you're waiting, and of course, all these difficult times, getting phone calls, just hearing different stories. I know at one point um, I lost a job and Debbie, your sister, um, actually reached out to my dad and said, why, why aren't you helping your son? Like he, he lost his job, finances are tight. Um, what was that conversation like with dad when he was like, I want to help him, but I know we shouldn't help him. What were your thoughts around that? Well, um, we always helped you every time you needed the help. Um, we always, you know, sent, money down we always helped we didn't know where it was going we never asked where it was going you just said hey i need this we sent it down um the day that you called and said hey you know i don't, I don't think it was necessarily the day of but when you called and said hey mom i don't have this money you know because i lost my job you know obviously then we didn't realize you know completely know what all you were doing down there um, on how you were spending your money because we weren't down there, um, to ask your dad. Cause I always, you know, asked him and he, and he said, Kim, I'm not sending more money down anymore. All we're doing is enabling him. He's going to have to realize, um, that we're not always going to be here to, to fix the problem. And he says, the bank is closed. And I was, we you know, we fought, you know, we had conversation. I shouldn't say fought, but we did. We had conversation and I said, Hanny, I just don't want him in and out on the street, you know? And he's like, Kim, we can't keep doing that. I'm telling you, um, things are going on down there that we don't know about. Um, you don't even know where that money is going. Um, it, we are not helping him. He, he, he's gonna have to figure this one out on his own. And that was hard. That was so difficult. But when that happened, we seen a shift. And it was like, oh, if we'd known that was going to be that way a long time ago, we would have done that. But that's what it saved shift, a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was at that time, that's when God finally said, you know what, Kim? Yeah, listen to your husband. You know, he is done, you know, and Josh will figure it out. And it was meant to be that way. And and it turned for the good, even though it was very difficult for me to re not to be there, you know, because we always wanted to help out. So yeah, I always tell that story to some of my friends, which is the, the tough love talk, where it's just like, like you said, a lot of times parents, they want to 
take care of their children, but it almost goes to the point where it's, it's almost too much. Yeah. And I feel like, at least for me, looking back at those moments, it's like, at some point, the parents need to have that where they kind of, it's not so much that they don't care. Or they don't want to take care of. It's just like you said, like you guys aren't going to be there forever. Eventually the, the kid um, or your kids need to, to learn how to take care of themselves and take responsibility for their lives. Otherwise they just kind of keep this childlike mentality where I can do whatever I want, how I want to do it. And if stuff goes bad, mom and dad will bail me out. And yeah. Like you said, you and you and dad won't be there forever. Yeah. And it, it's, I could only imagine a few years back or, or a few years later for some people. And I mean, God forbid that their parents pass away early, but if that does happen, like a lot of kids, especially these days that are very dependent on their parents, even in their late twenties, early thirties, it seems anymore these days where it's just going to be, it's going to be a tough transition when that, if that does happen for yeah. a lot of people. So it's like, I share the, that same story with my friends and they're like, wow, like your parents really did that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, my dad said, and he had, like you shared, like I shared earlier, like he had a talk with Debbie where he's just like, I'm not, it's not that I don't care about him. It's not that I want to help. It's just at some point you got to say, Hey, you got to take responsibility for your life. Yeah. Like you said, a lot of things did start changing in that moment where I was just like, all right, well, I guess I gotta stop acting yeah. like a kid. <laughs> yeah. And the conversations were different. And I think then I don't know how you felt, like if you felt betrayed because we weren't helping anymore or if it was just like, I got to figure this out, you know? And because, you know, they it did shift, you know? And then I thought, oh, this is, this is bad, you know? Um, because the conversations were not the same then, but I think then is when you were figuring things out, you know, and allowing maybe your heart to be opened up, you know, to something, you know, um, to happen, you know, so. So next question then would be, as you're waiting, what were some of the moments or how was it that the enemy attacked your prayers and your beliefs? Um, just to think that it wasn't going to happen. Um, when something bad else would happen, I'm like, you know, doubting that, you know, maybe God is not going to choose to, you know, rescue you to bring you back in the fold, um, uh, of saying, you know, the devil saying, you know, he's where I want him to be. You never had him to begin with. Um, just the constant turmoil and I think it was just because you live so far away and not being part of you know being there physically seeing you you know all the time um yeah it was hard all right so the next question I know as you're sharing some of the things that the enemy did to attack you to, to cause doubt and everything what were some of the, the scriptures, the encouragement, people or other aspects that kept you engaged and hopeful while you were waiting for your prayer to be answered? So people that were engaging in my life was my mom. Um, you know, having her wisdom and her strength and her, you know, counsel that I could talk to all the time about, you know, how I was feeling and everything. You know, she was, you know, able to you know help me navigate some things too so um which was nice to have um as far as you know scripture of what i was you know basically feeling was you know a lot of fear of not knowing you know um what was going to you know, happen or not happen. Um, I struggled with a lot of fear. Um, it was hard, you know, to sometimes give it all completely to God. I did, but then I turn around and I take it back because, you know, the fear of thinking, well, I'm out of control, you know, you know, I struggle with, with that. So a lot of mine was 
just the fear. Um, I did, uh, you know, read a book that, um, you know, helped me out a lot that um, actually one of my coworkers had told me about that she was, you know, a, a Christian woman and stuff. So I said, you know what, I'll give it a chance um, and I'll read this book, you know. Um, so it was uh, the book called Anxious for Nothing um, by Max Lugo. Um, I kind of like a lot of his books now. I mean, I don't know if it's because of this book, but it was, um, you know, I just kind of like his writing style. I guess I'm more of a simple-minded person. Some books are kind of a little in my, I think about things too much and that's a, but this one, you know, she told me about, I went and got it, laid on my shelf for quite a while, but then I finally read it. And they geared a lot about, you know, how I was feeling and everything and stuff. So yeah, um, if you want to read the book, you can tell people about it, it is a good book. Um, but mine was just basically fear. Um, I think I quoted a, a couple of them were Psalms 34, you know, uh, 17 and 18. Um, whoops, lost you there, Josh. Still here. Probably just Sorry about that. Minimized I, don't the what, zoom. I don't know what happened. Um, it was... Um, just saying to get and basically breaking it down was um actually I, I when i go back there i'm backtracking now i do that a lot it's called a, the gray moment um but this book you know there was a lot of good things on there so i thought you know what i need every day to to look at this and say you know what don't go down this avenue this is you know it's in your head you give it to god and let it alone so I actually printed off a lot of stuff on this and I actually taped it to my cupboard. So anytime that I was struggling with something, you know, I just read this strip of paper, which is right here. I took down from the cupboard, but it didn't all fit on there. So I had to give a little piece there, but I taped it to my cupboard and I took it down just so I would have it. But um, just to realize that, you know, that's the devil talking. Um, that's he likes us where he can have us and, and try to not, you know, allow us to put our, you know, trust in, in God and stuff. So, but in the nutshell, it was Psalms 34, 17. It says to give me strength to know that even in our struggles, you're near to our broken hearts. Um, realizing that my strength, you know, has got to be through him that he's going to ultimately come back and correct things if he chooses fit and then just to wait for that to happen. Um, another one was first Peter five, seven to erase my fears and know that you care for me and love me, which is gearing toward, you know, just not for myself, but for my kids too, of, um, to, to seek him for refuge and stuff and for strength. Um, I don't remember what the other one was, Josh. You had uh, Romans 15, 13. Oh, to remind us that the hope that we have in Jesus and given strength and compassion through the Holy Spirit to live as you want me to in these days and trials. Um, yeah, those are big ones that you know I just had to say there you go Lord you can have these and and not allow that the devil to give me false hope of something that may or may not happen so I know one of the things that you were saying earlier is um, you had your mom um, pressing in as well uh, was there any other people that you were talking about or sharing with that were aware of the situation and praying as well? We had a lot of people praying um, for you. My mom had her uh, women's Bible study praying. Um, at the time, I did not know until later, you know, that that was happening. Um, of course, you know, family members on both sides. 
um, of the family. Um, people, some people at our church that we'd had, you know, talked to, you know, were praying. So there was multiple people praying, you know, and and all constantly checking in. Um, I mean, we have people even today checking in, you know, asking how you're doing and stuff, which is nice, you know, that to realize that even though you were going through those bad trials that people seem the good hearted person that you were, it's just the paths that you were choosing were not wisely. Definitely goes to that scripture where it says it takes a village to raise a kid. Yeah. <laughs> a lot yeah. of people. Yeah. There so, was. so during that time, um, I know when we were going through the interview questions, you shared that the greatest faith is born in the hour of despair. And when we see no hope and no way out, then faith rises and brings the victory. Yeah. What was the, besides the scripture and then having other people in your corner fighting with you, was there any other things that kind of like that God kind of revealed to you or, or kind of gave you a, a revelation to that allowed you to increase your faith? I just knew that I think if God, I think that if, if God was not going to, for me, myself, I can't speak for other people. Um, but I think for me during my path, I think he knew where I was at in my own personal life, that I think God would have given me that presence of knowing that if something bad was going to happen, that he was going to be there. So I honestly felt like it was going to happen. It just was going to be on, on his terms. Um, and to know that that was going to happen just, you know, constantly, you know, did give me the faith. Um, and that ultimately the victory was going to happen. Um, and that faith rises to that, you know, and then you can just be excited about it. Yeah, that reminds me of like, you read throughout the Bible of all these stories of people going through great things. And it's always, there was always some sort of precursor beforehand. Like, I mean, you had David and Goliath where even when David was a small boy, like he took out the, what was it? A bear and a lion and all these different animals. So when he came up to Goliath, like he knew that God was with him and that he was going to prevail. Yeah. And then you even think like the story of Caleb and, and Joshua coming out of Egypt with Moses and all of them. And here Caleb is, is this 80-year-old, 85-year-old guy. And yet he's the one spy that came back and said, hey, like this land's got huge walls and there's giants, but it's a great land. So we're going to take it anyways. And I know that god told us to me in the past that we were going to lay like my foot was going to be on this ground so it's just one of those things like you know it's if god spoke it it's it's going to happen it's just a matter of when yeah mm -hmm. so the last question of this section of what was it like while waiting was were there any surprises or revelations you came across while waiting and i know that this would probably is very similar to what we were talking about but is there anything else that you would like to share that kind of as you're awaiting that seven years that kind of surprised you? I know that you said it wasn't just you praying for me, but there was a lot of things that God took you through in your own life. Um, was there any surprises or like, wow, like God's awesome moments? Well, as gearing towards you or just in general? Uh, me or even yourself. Like I know this this you pairing for me had to do a lot with your your own walk as well so right um i um So <laughs> I was trying not to do this because I was afraid of you'd go down that path, but it's all right, mom. <laughs> um, 
during all these times of, I mean, after, you know, um, you coming to Christ and stuff, but, um, you know, after my mom was diagnosed with dementia, I didn't have that person to go to anymore. I had to rely on God a lot and figure out I was going to navigate that, you know, without my mom, because she helped me navigate that. Um, as far as the aha, I think the day that um, my mom had congestive heart failure, um, that she was going to have to have open heart surgery, you know, when she was two years in of being diagnosed with dementia. Um, you know, we were told that, you know, my mom could come out being a different person um, was very scary. Um, but when she did come out, I mean, that night, I told, you know, my your dad that it was just a weird experience that I had went through. Um, I've never went through it again, which sometimes I seek for that. Um, but the night that before she was supposed to have her surgery, I was laying in bed, um, going through a lot of things in my head of what could be. It was very bizarre feeling in my body. I mean, I was there, but I really wasn't there. Um, but to trusting, you know, God, then I knew I had to. Sometimes I was didn't understand why he would, you know, choose my mom, the Christian woman that she was, God-fearing there for a lot of people. I didn't understand. So the night I was like, Almost like I was, um, I don't know, I've never been experienced to anything like this, but I was just like babbling, almost like talking in the tongues. I didn't know what I was saying, but because your dad said I was just like babbling. And it was almost so to where I was like hyperventilating, um, just because fear had just taken over. And I had asked him, um, I said, Andy, you got to pray over me because, you know, I've got to have some ease here going into this because I'm not going to see the glory of God in this if if I'm not here. And your dad prayed over me that night. And as I was laying there, I felt, 100% felt the power of God's hands, just like rubbing over me, my whole body, I just felt like a hug, like a, like I felt him and my body instantly just kind of relaxed. And I looked at him and I'm like, told him how I felt. And I go, that was weird. I've never had that happen before. I have not had that happen before ever again either. But I knew then I was like, oh my gosh, he is real. I just felt him. And to have that and I to search for that all the time, it is just crazy because I'm like, I'm going to feel that again. But he is here. It's just when I do need him, I feel that presence, but not like that because I think he knew I needed that for sure. And the next day, my mom had her surgery. She came out of surgery. She knew who all we were. She was talking. Um, she was still the pleasant person. And um, we're all like, that's God. That is so God. Um, that even in the midst of who she could have been, um, was still the same person, the gentle soul. Um, he blessed us with her being the gentle soul that she always was, you know, up until she passed away. So yeah, he blessed us to have still that person there in our lives, even though she was not there.
because he could have very well made her not be a very nice person if he choose to. And I'm not saying that it's not for anybody else that may not be blessed the same way. I feel for those people that don't get that. But I'm thankful, you know, that God was gracious enough to, you know, contribute, give us that graceful person. Yeah. Yeah. And that more time just to spend and, time with her. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I know there towards the end, like you were there, you were going in to see her almost like quite frequently. I was, I was there as much all as the you time. Could. Yeah. Yeah. I was there just about every day. I mean, Debbie lived there at, you know, that last year, but and I Debbie's was her there. Sis, Debbie's her sister for those of you yeah. that are listening. <laughs> yeah. I was there you know, before she moved in almost every day, helping my dad take care of her because we did not want her in the nursing home. We wanted her to be at home with her family um, as long as we could. And God blessed us with that to happen, you know? So he, he gave us the strength, you know? And the thing that I, you know, could take back from that is to know that, you know, I could help other people navigate that feeling that it's real. Um, the loss is there, um, you know, um, to give, you know, to pray for them, you know, once their family members have been diagnosed with that and just to have the compassion, you know, because it, it is, re it is so real and it's so hard, you know, on the family. So, that's my only thing I learned from that, that God was gracious enough, you know, to give us or her to still be happy and for me to be able to help others, you know, with that same process. And that that's all it was, you know, that God needed me to take away from that. You know, I'm okay with that. And I'm not angry with him at all now, but then I just questioned, you know, like we all do question why things happen you know, but yeah. So the, the next section of this is what was it like when your prayer got answered? So we'll kind of circle back, but what was the, what was the pivotal turning point for your prayer when you and grandma and other people at church and everybody, what was, what was the big pivotal point that you realized that things were about to turn around. I know that you shared a little bit when, when dad said that it's not that we don't care, but I'm not going to keep bailing them out. I know that was a big moment, but was there any other pivotal moments when you started really thinking like, wow, like God's on the move. Like this is, this prayer is about to be answered. Um, just for you to navigate, you know, and allowing him to move in your life and, pivot you where he wants you to be or go still continue to go through um you know for him to move the pieces around for that to happen now when it did happen i kind of like didn't believe that it happened because i wasn't down there i mean um i remember the day that you called and said hey mom guess what God spoke to me and I'm like, you know, okay. Um, I, I apologize for that. Cause I don't know if I ever told you that, but yeah, I, I was just like, okay, this is another one of his stories. You know, this is a story he's telling me again. You know, I did not believe it. And I was like, Oh, well you did Josh, you know, and yeah, I'm going to church and you know, and telling me the story of the bar and stuff. And I'm like, okay. Um, I, we weren't down there and we were supposed to be coming down, you know, that summer. And um, I think it was like a couple months. Well, it was probably several months later that we came down. Um, I think it was during spring break, maybe in March. And you kept, you know, we were talking and stuff and you were still talking that way. And I was like, I still was on the fence, you know, um, 
but to have those conversations, uh, you know, that we could talk. I was like, okay, Lord, you're using me now, you know, I, I better, you know, talk that way and not let him know that I'm on the fence. Cause maybe this is part of my responsibility here too, you know, and it wasn't, but it could have been, and it was, but not the same. Um, but it wasn't until, you know, we came down there and we went to the, the church you said you were attending and, you know, everybody came, you know, with open arms and everything and started saying about how involved you were in the church. And I was like, oh crap, he's not lying. He's telling the truth. And I was just, then it was almost like, okay, Lord, you were right. You know, and then, you know, give praise back to him for allowing that to happen and giving him the glory to allow that to happen. Um, because ultimately it was up to him and you, you know, and when he decided to allow those pieces to be moved in. So, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for that, but I definitely give him, you know, all the glory in, in that and to see how, you know, where he's taken you and stuff. So, I did not know that. <laughs> you never told me that story. Well, it's kind of like something you don't want to tell your kid yeah. about, but you can ask your dad because I got off the phone. I said, hey, Annie, supposedly Josh is going to church now. You know? We'll see how long that lasts. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, you know, that's something you don't tell your kid because, you know, you know. No, no that's, that's real though. Cause I mean, I was, wandering wherever i was wandering for so long yeah. that it's like you hear something and it's like all right is this real or is yeah. this just a phase or something and that's how we felt we're like okay this is just another story you know that he's telling us because mm -hmm. ultimately we weren't down there in north carolina with you we were up here so yeah to sort of go down there and actually see and then have um you know, the church people tell us, you know, how long you've been going there. And, and I can remember um, the pastor, you know, asking, was standing on the pulpit talking about you. And it was just like, it was almost like, um, you know, a praise God moment. But at the same time, it was almost like, that's my son you're talking about, you know? So, and you never know whose life you're going to touch you know, um, regardless in whatever walk you're in, you know, even before, like I said, you know, people still, you know, ask about you, you know, and how you're doing and stuff, you know, and when you weren't walking the walk. So yeah, you, you've touched people's lives, whether you know that or not, um, just by being the person, you know, that you were, even though you weren't walking the right way, so. So um, I know you've answered a couple of these questions already, so I'm gonna skip ahead a little bit, but what was the number one thing you learned while going through this whole thing? I know you shared a little bit of it about with like, with grandma passing away, you being able to like handle things without her, her guidance or support, but what was some other things that you learned that now you can kind of rest on and, and know that I'm, I don't know the words I'm looking for, but just things that you learned throughout the, the last seven years that I was running around or even the last uh, eight that we've, we've gone through as we continued this walk and everything, but what's some of the big things that you, you learned? Um, just knowing that, you know, for myself, <clears throat> that I, I am not ultimately the fixer that I want to be. Um, that there are some things that I can never fix. Um, and to let that go, um, and that one I have given to the Lord and not taken it back, um, that has allowed me to see him work in different ways. Um, and, and to trust that, you know, he's going to, be the one that's going to fix those problems, you know, whether he does or not. And then I'm going to be okay with that. Um, 
not that I still don't struggle with the waiting process of, you know, but I've never right now have not personally seen something that I've not, you know, prayed for that he has not, you know, either fulfilled or I can see those, you know, movements, you know, so I know that they're, you know, not to give up hope that, you know, they are going to be fixed because I can see that moving in that area. And it might not be, you know, like I said, in my team table, it might not be in my lifetime. Um, I don't, I don't know, but he's never, you know, there's been some things I've seen instantaneously that he is fixed, you know? Um, so it's nice to know that I can give that to him and not take it back. And that has helped tremendously. Not that I don't worry still, but it's like, okay, Lord, I know where this is going to go. You may have it and then be done with it. So. Okay. So the last section that we're going to go through is what are you believing for next? So I know, like I said earlier, it's been eight years since this kind of happened. I know it was uh, November 2012 for me that kind of made that decision to, to give my life to Christ again and start walking a different way. So even looking back the last eight years and, and then going forward here now in January 24th of 2021, um, what are you praying for now? Um, as for as a whole or for just you or anything and anything and everything um right now i just i pray for um god to lay his hands on this chaos that's going on um i pray for um you know your continuous walk with him um i know it's very hard you know with the you know, the churches being different because we, you know, we ourselves struggle with that, with the churches not being the same as they were before because of COVID. Um, but I pray for that continued walk to stay engaged, to stay plugged in, um, whatever it may be. Um, cause it's very hard that once you start because of this shift that's going on, um, it's very easy to, um, it, have the excuses to kind of pull away. Yeah. And that's the devil. That's the devil working. And that's where he wants it to be. Um, wherever it may be, you know, um, we've had people from our own church go to different churches just because, um, the kids programs might be a little bit different. Um, our church opened a little later and they needed to be in church. Um, I get that, you know, um, some churches are, are running like COVID never happened. Um, you know, yeah, I, it, it's just a very time. So I pray for everybody in that area to not deviate from God. Um, doing the online watching is not the same as sitting in church. Um, we had to do that for a while and it is not the same. I'm a sit in the pew, get out of my house, you know, to sit and engage because when you're in your own home, things distract you, you know, and if you're sitting in the church, you know, there's nothing distracting you because you're there. So I pray for that. Um, I pray for, you know, to God, wherever, um, he chooses you to be with, you know, you losing your job that you'd be open for him to, you know, open a door wherever it may be. And it may not be where you want it to be, but um, I don't know if that's going to be the case or not. But I just pray that, you know, he would, you know, take care of that with you and, um, uh, you know, along with your sister, the same, you know, way of, you know, getting plugged it back in again um um yeah just just 
the chaos that's going on, basically, of you know, with the new president, how things are going to be, um, you know, for us to all navigate that, you know, moving forward as a Christian, um, and not forgetting our Christian values and the process, and not getting wrapped up into things that, you know, there's no way that you're not going to fix that. I, I think I've told you before, you know, I, I, for myself, I'm not a political person, so I don't get wrapped up into that stuff. But I've told you before, you got to worry about your own community and what you can do in your own community. You can't worry about, you know, what's going on across the world, but you can worry about your own community, your neighbors, whatever. Um, engaging because you never know why things happen the way they do and you and then when you look back you're like oh I missed that moment you know um just because you're wrapped up into something else yeah so the last question of this interview and then we'll conclude is what would you want to tell mothers out there that are still believing for something? Um, as far as the younger ones or older ones or just any mother yeah. that's either um, praying about something or believing about believing for something that they're still in the wait. Christian moms. Um, that if they're struggling with anything, um, you know, we have a lot of programs at our church that, you know, engage in with, you know, um, young moms with kids, um, moms with, you know, teenagers and, and even dads. Um, but I think it gears more toward mothers. Cause I think the moms usually are the ones that are the engaging for me personally, I mean, yeah. um, that's true. I mean, yeah, moms are more into collaborating and I guess networking yeah. than men are more prideful and yeah. just I'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, you know, even this at 50 years old, I still struggle with things that, you know, I might've done differently. I can't change that now, but, um, yeah, to stay engaged. Um, can you pray with your kids, spend time with your kids? They grow up fast. Um, you know, don't fall into the enabling <laughs> avenue um, just because you want their lives, you know, to be fulfilled. And sometimes it's not always, you know, the right, right to change. But even if you did, um, you know, ultimately God had that plan to happen anyway. So, but just to stay engaged, you know, and spend time with your young ones and, and, you know, just love on them. Life is short, could be taken away, um, in a moment, you know, just me personally not having my mom, you know, and living you know, eight years with dementia, it's very hard. So you see things differently now than you did before, for sure. Just to pray, you know, and never give up hope that even if your kids stray, you know, to continue to, to pray and um, allow God to, you know, move and to pray for others, kids, you know, that may not have that, you know, mom or dad figure in their lives either. Um, because, you know, you might've been put in their life for a reason. And it might just be just to be the second mom or the second dad, you know, to be available for them. Because there's a lot of kids out there that, you know, don't have that. Um, yeah, when you become an empty nester, you, 
you find things to help. I mean, we volunteer a lot, um, we help out with other people and do things just to feel like if you can help out in somebody else's life, just, you know, just even for a little while, you, you see that, that there's a bigger picture for that. So, yeah. Okay. As I said at the beginning, no right or wrong answers. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm sure if there's other questions you want to ask, you could say, well, what do you mean to talk about there, bud? Yeah. 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 Like she just said, if there's anything that you'd like to, to hear more about, we'll definitely be sharing this on social media. Feel free to drop a comment. Um, she'll definitely respond or I'll respond. I can reach out to her and maybe get some additional insights on maybe something you're wondering more about. But I definitely want to thank you, mom, for taking time to doing this interview. Um, hopefully there'll be more to come for this. I'm excited to see where this comes from. I know over the last couple of weeks, I have quite a few people liking this and it kind of getting some interesting reach. Um, I'm not promoting it or anything. So we're just kind of all organic and whatever happens, happens. But this uh, concludes the, the video. Uh, as always, if you guys enjoyed it, be sure to hit that like button, uh, share it with your friends and family, mothers that are currently going through some situations where they're still waiting and need some encouragement and hope. Like my mom said, there's a lot of craziness going around right now. And with COVID and the new president and everything else going around in our nation that definitely share this around with people, help people to get their hope renewed and that there is power in a mother's prayer. It takes a village to raise a family as you saw um, with my mom, my grandma, my dad's mom was praying, people at the church. There was a lot of people, but there is power in a mother's prayer. So stay hopeful trust god as always uh, we love you guys um and we'll we'll see you guys soon my name's josh this is pray mama and we'll see you guys later all right thanks josh no problem thanks mom right. love, love you, you. bye <laughs> bye